Glory to God. Is God faithful? I'm going to share with you guys uh, something that I shared with the uh, brothers and sisters at the pre-word. Um, and you can go ahead and record too. Phil, you can go live if you want to. And then, uh, yeah, okay, we're good. Um, I want to pray first before we get into this time of fellowship and worship. Um, I want to pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are not a people driven by circumstances. Let me pray that again. I thank you that we are not people driven by circumstances. I stand in agreement with my brothers and sisters now that the world and its ways do not dictate to your people how we worship, how we seek you, how we know you, and how we walk with you, Father. You dictate to us how all of that is displayed in this world. And Father, I know that there are some of us who have come in here this morning and our flesh has been running rampant. The flesh has been lashing out. It has been speaking words of doubt and unbelief. It has been trying its hardest by its default mechanism to get us trapped again. But by your will and your will alone, you have kept us from falling asleep. You have kept us from wandering away. You have kept us, Father, from ourselves. And so, Lord, we come before you this morning with broken and contrite hearts. We don't want to come to you like children of entitlement. We don't want to come to you like children demanding for a father to give them their inheritance. Lord, we come as children, humble, ready to receive, waiting upon you knowing that we're not deserving of being adopted into this relationship, God. And so, Father, I pray right now that our hearts would be aligned with yours. And that anything that is not of you right now would be held captive and thrown out with every other false imagination that doesn't belong to Christ. Let your anointing fall, Lord, and have your way this morning. In the name of Christ, we said amen. amen. You know, you come into a place and um, the fellowship was beautiful. I was listening. And the fellowship is beautiful. And you come into a place on a Sunday after years of being conditioned that service has to happen a certain way. It just has to go a certain way or I, I'm not approving. <laughs> and thank God that he doesn't need man's approval. He doesn't need man's approval. Thank you, God, that we serve a God who doesn't bend to please man. Because we would have a really weird God in this place right now. If he tried to please you and please me and please them, and he would be a clown pulling out balloons and blowing them up to make animal you know, balloons and pleasing everybody. That's not the God we serve. Amen. We serve a God who we come before and say, what do you have? What will you have for me to do? Amen? What would you ask for me to give up? What would you ask for me to surrender this morning? 
Maybe you come in and tr worship is traditional. You need that, you know, that upbeat song at first, right? And then you need those two slower songs and dimming the lights and you need the mood. Maybe you've been conditioned. When did God say to do this? I just know my Lord. I know that he doesn't, he doesn't operate on us doing something to get to him. He doesn't. I've been in many worship services, many uh, uh, services where the word of God is being preached, but it lacks the power because it's lacking authenticity. It's lacking the genuine faith. It doesn't challenge you anymore because it's more suiting comfortability than anything that needs to be cut away or pruned. Amen. And so sometimes we have to just say, Lord, what do you have for us this morning? And then do the thing that he's asking. And so I was out at the beach and... Um, over the last two days, I was at Morrow Beach celebrating a birthday for uh, one of our pastors, Pastor Aaron. He's in with the children right now. His daughter turned 16. And so we went to Morrow Beach. And there was a moment that I had with a man who was digging through the trash trying to find his daughter's retainers that got thrown away. And I stood beside the man and started helping him. I just felt the Lord wanted me to help him. And so I started getting through the trash and I was getting sauce all over my hands. And, you know, there, this trash had been piling up and sitting there for an hour before he got there to start looking through it. So there was burgers everywhere and pizza and, and soda splashed all in the trash can. And we're sitting there and, and I was like, oh, well, right? Like if I'm going to die today, <laughs> let it be doing something for the Lord. But I was, I was in with him and, and just watching him as he was desperately looking through the trash and he was he was he was looking for these retainers and the lord i was i was like lord do you want me to minister to him do you want me to witness to this man and the lord said no and immediately the scripture in in acts when paul had a desire to go preach to asia he writes to the people he says but the spirit prevented me from going And the Lord said, this is more for you than it is for him. And as I was doing this and I was watching this man doing everything he could to dig through two thirds of a trash can that he knew, you know, was, it, was, it was junk. It was dirty to get something that he felt was valuable. You ever had something you feel was valuable in your life? If it's valuable enough, you'll go through the junk to get it. And the Lord ministered to me and said, this is the heart that I want my people to have for me. This is what's been lost, is that people want a, they don't want trash. They don't want to have to go through the garbage. They don't want to have to go through the mess to get to what is truly valuable. They don't want to have to. But what did Jesus say? Narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life. And only few find it. Only few are willing to get dirty enough. And the truth about that is, is it doesn't make you better because you're willing to get dirty. God puts the willingness in you to see past the garbage so you can look for what is valuable. If God doesn't put that desire in you, you don't look. You don't search. Amen. Amen. You're completely fine with where you were before. And it just ministered to me. And so even as we were coming today, I had a whole different word planned on the mercy of God. And 
you know, we've been talking about the mercy of God the last couple of weeks. I had a whole different word about how mercy comes from God first, not you. And I was going to talk about just really in a nutshell, I was going to talk about how you don't forgive first and then God forgives. God forgives you and then you forgive. And even though the scripture says forgive or you will not be forgiven, that's more of a definition than it is a suggestion. Let me say that again. That's defining what it is, not suggesting what it is. He's saying if you're not forgiving people, it's because I'm not in you. That's what he's really saying. Because you can't forgive, you can't love, you can't have mercy unless it's me flowing through you. Amen. Can't do it. So I was going to preach on that. You see, that would have been a good word. <laughs> but the Lord said, no, I want you to actually preach on this. I want you to preach on the word. And as I was sitting here with this man and God was telling me not to minister. How many times would we, all of us, have just started quoting scriptures to the man or tried to win him with the word of God, with what we would say. How many times have you ever preached a word to somebody that they didn't receive it? But we say there's power in it. But if there's so much power in it, then why aren't they receiving it? Because there might be something else going on that unlocks the power in it. But we'll get to that in a minute. I'm stop started preaching right now. I gotta slow down. Well, what I, want, what I want to do first is I want to sing this song, and this has been on my heart all, all morning. And I'm not a singer. I wouldn't even dare claim to be, but, but the Lord's words are true. And it's an old song, but I just want to sing it together before we dive into the word. Father, I pray you have your way. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount i know nothing but the blood of jesus father we know that your blood washes us clean it's not by works it's not by power it's not by might but it is by your spirit your spirit distributes your blood, the atoning sacrifice, over our lives. And I pray right now, Father, that we would receive the washing. That we would receive the washing. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Sing that again. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. 
There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Oh, they had a joy in their hearts when they wrote this. Sing it again. I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away. When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Sing, there is power. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Nowhere else. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah, Lord. Teach us to value your blood again, Lord. Teach us to value your blood again, Father. There is power in the blood of the Lamb. Enough to wash away my sins. Enough to wash away your sins. The world's sins. Forever. Forever. Forever cleansed. Wouldn't it be nice to be cleansed one time, not have to shower every day? <laughs> I know the brothers know what I'm talking about. But there's power, and it's wonder-working power. It's power that is beyond your ability to wonder, to dream, to, to even imagine. It's the power of the blood of God. It's the power of the blood of Jesus. And people, we just don't talk about it no more. When's the last time you heard a message on the blood of God, on the blood of Jesus? the precious blood? When's the last time you've heard of people even, even adore the blood of Jesus as precious? When's the last time you even used the word precious? But there's power in the precious blood. Why is it precious? Because it's, it's, it's one of a kind. It's the only kind. Like there is no other atoning blood. There's no other Jesus. They can preach another one, but we have the real Jesus the real living Christ. Amen? And so I feel it's only fitting when you think about who this man Christ is. And as I was watching through Pismo and I was just listening to the conversations people were having and they were, some people were just, you know, yeah, we've been down here a month and we're just feeling the vibes, right? We're just, we're feeling how things are going and you know, the waves are crashing on, on the left and busyness and cars are parking and people are having conversation and it appears that they have purpose. It appears that they're living, but they're not, brothers and sisters. And you once were not. You were once walking dead. And no, that's not a play on words for the series that came out. It's true. You were once a blind person, a deaf person. You couldn't hear or see the Lord. Amen. Amen. But by God's power, by God's power, wonder-working power, he unclogged your ears and he removed the scales from your eyes and you can now hear and see the Lord. That's by the power of God. 
But I want to touch on one aspect of that power. And for however long God has us go down this season of the power of God in the blood of Jesus, there's different aspects that manifest in your life of that power. And one of the ones that's a misconception, and I hope to bring clarity today, may God anoint my lips. May I speak as a person that is sent from God and not by myself. May the words that flow from me be life-giving words that would actually convict the hearts of men and change the hearts of men. Because this has to come from God. It can't come from me. I'm good at observing. God is good at revealing. Amen. May he reveal it to us. But in this, there's an aspect. It's a misconception. It's the word. It's this. And you'll hear it preached. You'll hear it preached. You'll say, this you need to read this. In order to be free, you got to read this. This is what they'll say. Get in your word. That's your problem, Kate. Your problem is you're not reading the word enough. That's your problem, Greg. You're not reading enough. And you'll even say to yourself, yep, that's my problem. Knock it off. That's not your problem. I'm going to give you clarity and truth this morning. The Lord's going to use me to peel back another layer so you can see and hear better. So you stop putting burdens on yourself and on others. Amen. Amen. Because you cannot earn your way to right standing with God. If I could simply read my way, I'd, I'd be a millionaire today. If I could just teach people to read and become spiritual, why do we need Christ? Why do we even meet? If all I need to do is read my word, why do we come together? Because there's different aspects of God that you don't put the trust in, in the actual activity, but God chooses to use it. And may we have perspective this morning so we don't then put burdens on ourselves, like I said, and on others, meaning, you know why I'm, I'm failing at my marriage? You know why I'm failing in life? It's because I'm not reading enough. Do you understand the lie behind that? I know people who know this word front and back and still ain't living for God. I know people who only know very little, but their lives are full of the fruit of Christ. So can you explain to me how that's possible? Many people have said the power is in the word. You ever heard that? No, the power is in the blood. The power is in the atoning sacrifice of Christ. Then this is going to mean something else to you by the end of this message. But I want to talk to you about the word of God. And as I was sitting at the park watching these hoopers, you know, practice. And I mean, man, they, some of them were really committed and they'll never play in the NBA, but they are determined. I mean, they were like four foot five Asians hitting from every spot in the court, but you put a six, five person in front of them and they're not going to make it, but they were determined and they, they're doing, they're just splashing. And as I'm sitting there and I'm watching them, I was like, this is what people are like in the word. Until something is bigger than what you can pull out of here, you'll never know what it's like to depend on God. You didn't catch what I said. Let me say it again. And until something is bigger than what you can simply pull out of here, you'll never know what it's like to depend on God. There's two words that you need to focus on, and they have to go in a certain way, but we're going to talk on them. There's the written word. Say the written word. It's, it's what's written. And then there's the living word. Yes, amen. Say living word. Because there's a difference in knowing the living word and knowing the written word. 
I could read to you right now, John 5, 39, which we're going to go through later, and I can read it to you as what's written, and you can memorize what's written, but you may not know what's written. Do you believe that? Have you ever read a scripture and it didn't touch you? So then where's the power? If the power was simply in the letters, why doesn't all of it convict you? Because there's something living that brings conviction. Say amen to that. There's a written word and there's a living word. Let's talk about the written word real quick. Go to Matthew chapter 4. And I want you to pull your Bible app open, pull your Bible out. Look at it for yourself. Please do not depend on me to tell you the truth. Let me say it again. Please don't depend on me to tell you the truth. You can expect me to tell you the truth. You can lean on me to tell you the truth, but I'm not your dependency. God is your dependency. Amen? Amen. So you depend on God to show you the truth, to tell you the truth. Because I can tell it to you, and you may not get it. Anybody ever had to read a scripture three or four times before you finally go, oh, that's right, I got it. Right? Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 3. Let's talk about the written word. I'm going to read out a New Living's translation. <laughs> you can walk around, rock right up to it. It's, yeah, it's probably easier just to. All right, Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 3. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Before we go further, where, are we not reading scripture? We're reading scripture right now. So then the next verse is scripture that we're reading about needing to, about the scripture that was read. Let me say it again. The next verse, <laughs> I was a little confused. The next verse is scripture being read about scripture that was being read. You got to see that, see that progression. Very important. That means that when Jesus was saying this, he didn't know, well, he didn't know, but let me say that we didn't know that it was going to become future scripture. Just like right now, there are things happening in your life that still testify to the scriptures. You are an epistle read of all men. God is writing on your life. His power, his will, everything is being written in your life. And when people look at your life and they can read your life, it should match up with what is written. Amen. Amen. Because what Jesus was saying would eventually match up with what was written. Because he's awesome like that. So verse 4, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone. In your uh, translation, if it's NIV or anything older, it'll say, it is written. It is written. People do not live by bread alone, but what? By every word. Say every word. word. Now, that portion of this text is past, present, and future. Every most problem most people have is that they don't know how to hear God now. They don't know how to hear God now because they have the written word, but they ain't got the living word. You need the living word to get revelation for what is now. You need the living word to show you that this isn't just for them. 
but this is for us. And you need the living word to show you this just isn't for us. It's for them, the future. You see that? It's not, it, it's not just stuck in the past. It's not just left with us, but it's for what's to come. God wants to bring every child of his into the revelation knowledge of knowing this one thing. You can depend on the living word. You may not always be able to depend on the written word. You ain't going to like that because you know there's people in places that have no Bibles. But they still have God. God has the ability to put scriptures in people's hearts that have never read it. The problem with people who are trapped in a workspace mindset is they're afraid that if you say that, people are going to get lazy and not read their Bible. Well, they don't know the living God because the living God motivates you to read your Bible. You don't need to convince a person who's born again to read. God will put it in their heart to do it. Amen. The devil's just getting knocked right now. Because it's every word that comes out of the mouth of God, not just the scriptures. It's every word. God is declaring things right now into your future that are not written in scripture. Are you ready for this? The building you're sitting in is not in scripture. Yet God said, that's your building. That's the house I'm giving to you. It's still as equal in power as what's written. The fact that God would even know you before you were formed in your mother's womb. The last time I checked, there's no, there's no Michael other than an angel in here. And you ain't an angel, brother. I love you. I know you're not. But you're not going to see Apostle Michael. But yet you were called. And the same calling that is written is on you. It may, it's just as valid for every child of God that's in here. Amen. Amen. You need to get this in your spirit. Otherwise, you're going to be serving a distant God and not a near God. God wants to be near to you, near to your heart. He wants to be in your thoughts and in your mind. He wants to be a part of what's going on. He doesn't want you to live as someone else's God, meaning the God of Abraham, he wants, to, he wants to be the God of Isaac, the God of Regina, the God of, come on somebody, you got to help me, he wants to be your God. Yes. Yes. But that won't only happen by just memorizing scripture, you need the living word. But every word that comes from the mouth of God, that's what man lives off of, amen? Yes, amen. amen. Go to 2 Timothy. Chapter 3. The written word. And, the, and I love it because how could we, I mean, we are so blessed to have this. I'm, I'm not minimizing the scriptures. Sometimes people do. They shouldn't disrespect the work of God. This is the work of God. This is the work of God. Lives laid out on a page, just like your life being laid out. It's the work of God. We respect and reverence and adore the work of God. Amen. Without it, how do we have direction in life? This is God's will. But we don't, exalt it so high as if it's God because it's not God's God just like you're not God but you belong to God so this this also belongs to God you see that 
You get this in you, because I'm telling you, you're going to see the word totally different after today. You might have come in here saying, I need a word. <laughs> I need a word, man. I got to get to church. I need a word. You have no idea. You need the word. Capital W. Christ. That's what you need. Not just a word. Because a word might get you through the day. The word will get you in your, through your entire life. Chapter 3, starting in verse 16. All scripture, say all scripture, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us. Say corrects us. We don't like correction, do we? If we're being honest, we don't like correction. But if you're born again, you love it, don't you? You love the correction because you know it produces something better for you. You're not like a rebellious child anymore, just going against the way of God. You know that the ways of God are better than your ways. So you love correction. Yes, thank you, Lord, because that's the work of the Lord. I know a lot of you in here, so <laughs> it's only God. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, I know I got some ladies in here that they get their lashes done, they get their eyebrows done, right? Holla. <laughs> beauty, right? The beauty business. You wouldn't dare miss a lash appointment. <laughs> you ain't gonna have one looking all volumed, right? And the others was like two. You're like, I'm not gonna look unequally yoked. My eyes need to be. <laughs> but you wouldn't dare miss because you know the upkeep's necessary. May God put it in your heart, the value of needing to keep up with this. Not that you, again, would measure it on how righteous you are based on how much you know, but that it would be just like, I mean, I don't know anybody who takes a shower every day and then goes around saying, man, I'm clean. I don't know about you. I shower every day. I bet you only shower once a week. <laughs> Nobody talks like that. It'd be foolish. It's even as I, as I say, it's like, that is so stupid that anybody would ever talk. But that's what we sound like. I read my word. I wash myself every day. You probably only wash once a week. That's what people do with the scriptures. Shame on us for ever becoming like that. That is not the heart of God. Man cannot be good on their own. It is the Lord that's good. Amen? Amen? It is the Lord that's good. And I thank God for anointing me to give me the words to express it so we get it. Because I, I truly, I could be in a totally different place other than right here. And I thank God that I'm right here. I thank God that he knows what we need to hear. Amen? Even now as the anointing is flowing, there... That moment right there of measuring, I read my Bible every day. I have devotions every morning. And then looking at your children, I feel the anointing of the Lord right now. And acting like they're not good enough because they struggle with reading their word. I hope that after today's message, you would realize that God is not calling you to be their dictator, but he's telling you to go in the closet and pray for your children because they lack the living word. 
That's why they can't understand the written word. This is why Jesus spoke in parables. Because it separated those that would know him from those that didn't. And you might have children that don't know the Lord. So how are you going to go up to your children who don't know the Lord and treat them different than a stranger who doesn't know the Lord? Because they're your seed. They belong to God. You wouldn't go up to a stranger and beat them over the head with the Bible and say, you know what your problem is? You're not in devotions like I am every morning. You may not say it that way, but that's how they hear it. That's how they hear it when you take your righteousness and compare it to their failure. May the Lord show you mercy and may may he open your eyes to the mercy you need to have on your children. Because they don't know the Lord. If they're struggling, they don't know. They're coming into relationship. Remember when you were there? And you know what? I I have to say this too. I know this is going to sting. But there's there's someone either watching online or here where you've been failing in your own standard and then you started taking it out on them. You, said, you know you're failing, so you, you, you lash out in human anger. It's because you're in bondage, my brother, my sister. You're under works, and works don't work. Get under grace. There's mercy for that. Aren't you? Come, help me. Help, you got to help me. You got to help me for someone else. Help them. <laughs> don't let me get crucified by myself up here. But you know very well that when you're failing to your own standard, it doesn't even, you don't even have to be a parent. You could be one of the teens. You have this expectation and you're failing to it, you take it out on other people. You do. And you turn it, you try to turn it away from you because you don't like the light and you start trying to point out darkness in others that ain't there. Well, what about you back in 1997 when you did such, <laughs> right? You start bringing up the past, it ain't even relevant. Because you're feeling guilt and condemnation on your own life. You know where I've seen this the most with people? Man, God has me in a different place. I'll come back to this in a second. But where I see this the most with people is with sexual immorality. This is where I see it the most. When somebody is struggling with sexual immorality, they don't normally say, hey, I'm sexually immoral. Like sometimes when people are struggling with alcohol, they don't mind if people know they're drunk. Right? If somebody's struggling with their sexual identity, like homosexuality or transgender, they, today they don't mind if you know if they're gay or not. But if you are struggling with sexual immorality in your life and you know that you don't want it seen because it's shameful, whether that be pornography, prostitution, or whatever else that's going on in your life, if you are struggling with that and you are hiding it in your heart, you are going to be the most angry person ever. You will lash out in anger on everybody that you love. I've seen it the most. And you'll do it over stuff that don't matter. Where's my diet soda? It was right there. I told you, make sure it's always stocked. Listen to the verbiage. Make sure it's always, you should always have, there's an expectation. I want you to, and what's really happening is you're manifesting. That's what demonic manifestation actually looks like. When you're in the house arguing over something that is futile, it has, it's really unimportant. You make it so important because there's something so dark in your life that you're hiding and it is manifesting. When you are walking in truth and walking in the spirit, you have grace and mercy. There, there's a mercy that flows through you that's not you. You can't take credit for it. But when you're failing in an area of your life, not just sexually, 
when you're failing in the area of your life, you are going to take it out on others if you don't bring it to the light. It's the truth. You can hate me if you, if you want to, but you know it's the truth because your life has proven it's true. If you're looking at your own life, that human anger did not bring forth any righteousness. And you know the whole time what you were really saying is help me somebody. God help me. That's what you were really saying. I'm falling, I'm failing. But instead of bringing it to the light, you keep it in the dark. Now I'm going to take it a step further. God leaves you there. It is only by the grace of God that you would come and be free. So if the Lord's drawing you now, you're hearing this message, you're hearing this portion of the sermon, and God had me take a little rabbit trail, and you hear, it could be work-related, you could be overworking, you're a workaholic, you know you shouldn't be working as much as you are, so you come home and you're angry, and you're angry. Why? You're disobeying God. You're searing your conscience. You're not, you're not obeying the Lord. Help me, somebody. So then all of a sudden, my problem is, watch this, I'm not obeying the Lord. My problem is I'm not reading. My problem is I'm not, see, that's condemnation. That's works. That's what's your problem. The problem is the entire way of living and thinking. God has said, I didn't come to bring you burdens. I didn't come to make your yoke heavy. I came to make it light and easy. But you keep trying to earn something you can never earn. You keep, you keep trying to work your way out. And I'm telling you, there's only one way out. And I've already done it. So turn to me. There's such, a, there's such an anointing on this moment right now. Come to me. Amen. Okay. Now I'm going to move forward. Let the Lord convict you where you're at. But the word of God is there for equipping Amen. Let's talk about the living word. Go to John 1, 1. It's a very popular scripture, and everybody knows this, this set of scripture. Uh, if you've been in the faith for a little while, you know John 1, 1. But I want to read it, and I want to break it down just a little bit differently for you this morning. So we know that there's the written word. Jesus actually says, scripture says, or it is written, right? He tells Satan that. It's written. So there's power in the written word. Can we agree with that? But the power that's in the written word is what we're about to talk about right now. It's called the living word. The living word is the power that's in the written word. And we're not talking, I, got, I really have to say this. We're not talking about living as in how you and I live. Nobody in this room has died and then resurrected like Christ did. Spiritually, you have now. You died, this is what the scriptures teach us, and you raised with him. You're actually seated in heavenly places with him. You're at the right hand of the Father with him. Right? Like that's way too big for some of us to comprehend. We're like, I don't know what that means. But that's big. <laughs> Just put, that's a big deal, okay? You are not of this world. You have been raised to life. Amen. Yeah. So the living word, the reason what gives the living word the power is the fact that God himself came down as a man, died, and rose from the grave, releasing death's grip forever, where now you no longer have a sting on me. Where is your sting, death? If I die, it's gain. Yes, amen. That's awesome. Other people are afraid to die, and some of us in here might still be. 
Especially if we start talking about different ways you can die. Then you really get afraid. I don't want to die from being bitten by ants or something crazy, right? I don't know. People are weird. Shark attacks and stuff, you know? People have fears. But when you're in Christ, truly, fear of death is gone. And it's, and it's fading constantly. Amen. Because the living word rose from the dead. Rose from the dead. He's alive. Aren't you excited about that, that you don't serve a dead God? Really? You serve a true living God alive right now, breathing, whatever he's doing. I can't even say breathing, but whatever he's doing, he's existing. <laughs> and he's in heaven forever. And he is watching over, watch this, you. You. Now just think about who you were the last two days. Some of us got upset because our coffee wasn't made just right. Some of us got upset because someone else convinced us to try coffee again, and you know you don't like it. That was me. I'm just saying. But I tried it for you. And I was like, I'm not going to like it. Oh, man, it's really good. Sip the coffee bean. Ugh. Right? That's what it was. But some of us, the last couple days, were totally in our flesh, abusing ourselves and those around us. But yet God is with you. What? He's with me? Man, you better be excited about the Lord because he could leave you there. But he's living. He's not a dead God. And in John 1, 1, it says this, in the beginning, the word. Now, in your Bible, if you look at your Bible, look at the word, word, and what's going on with that W? I think there's an importance on that. Now, when Jesus said, it is written, his W was small. But when he talks about the word, even in that time, you could see a small W. When he says every word that comes out of the mouth of God, there is no capital there. And that's coming from Jesus. Because let me tell you something. He was the capital W. Yeah. Amen. So when he's, he's talking about himself, he's present. He don't need to emphasize it. He's present. But when he's not the physical Jesus, we need to emphasize this. The word Jesus, watch this, was what? Already existed, was with God, and the word. Now, there was no scripture in heaven. There was no, God didn't say, well, let me write scripture first. I'm not minimizing it. I'm thankful for the written word. But I'm, you and I should be living for the living word. You, you should be living because of the living word. You should be living by the living, for the living, living, living. I'm, I don't know why I'm getting slanged out, but I am. But living word. Look at, he existed in the beginning with God. He, God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Now, again, we're reading the scripture. This is the written word, but we're talking about the living word. 
And I'm going to show you right now. I'm going to read one more set of scripture, and I'm going I'm to show you what I wrote down, what God had me write. But I'm going to show you how important it is to know wh- how that falls. Because then you'll never become a religious bigot. You, you're, I, I really want to help stop you from becoming religious. You know what I mean? Like where, where you're literally raising... I know I'm touching on stuff right now that's true. And you're, you might get mad at me, but it's okay. But listen, where you don't raise your hands and then do this. Because you're worried about who's watching you. That we would be a body of believers who don't care about what each other think. But truly, not, not made up. Truly, like, like that would be a real piece of our relationship. Yes right? That we would have so much attention on God that we were just trusting God with everything else. That there's not this like, oh, I'm nervous to be in front of people and say something. Like even that would be taken away. Our nine, at our nine o'clock pre-word, we have a pre-word at nine for people who are called here and that feel like God has called them to this body of believers to reach Fresno. At nine o'clock, different people within our fellowship share to, to those that come. And our sister Danica shared at nine. And when she shared, it was all God. Anybody who was here, I mean, all you heard was the Lord. There was no, yes. nothing of her. Right. But, but she said something. She said, my flesh is all over the place. It's nervous right now. I don't want to be up here. Now, if I called some of you up here, anybody would feel like that? Like, oh. Especially if I asked you to sing a song. Oh. Especially if you can't sing. Oh. Right? Like you're really nervous. But she was up here. And I said this to her. I said, said this to everybody, and I'm going to say it to you. That was God's manifesting power that even though the flesh was resisting, God was winning because she was still up here speaking. And it was only God that was doing that. So it was a physical manifestation of a person who would normally be dominated by their flesh. But because they have the spirit of God living in them, it overrides the flesh. And then you're able to do the will of God. How else do you go inside a lion's den and not worry? You think the flesh wasn't right there? Oh, my God. Yes, it was. Right? There's like six of them. Oh, man, it has to be God that they're not opening their mouths and devouring me right now. You know the flesh is like nervous, but because of the Spirit of God, it rises over the flesh. The living word. That's the difference between being able to walk into some flames and come out unscathed and you didn't even say anything. How many times have you walked into a trial or a tribulation and you tried to rebuke it away? And it got worse. Can we be transparent this morning? Can we be real this morning? How many times have you tried to rebuke the devil with the scriptures and it gets just wild out even more? Something's missing in that moment that the scriptures themselves aren't giving you. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say, I was going to move. I'm going to say Two things are happening. One, it's not the will of God and you're praying into something that, like you're praying directly against the will of God. It is the will of God that that relationship fall apart, but you're praying that it stay together. It's the will of God that you would lose your job, but you're, you're doing everything you can. You're praying, Lord, you gave me this job. I prayed six months ago. He don't want you there no more. 
how are you able to, you're missing the will of God for your life. And one of the ways, just a little secret, one of the ways to know if it's the will of God is if God's getting the glory out of it. If he's not getting the glory out of it and you can't trick him, it ain't his will. It's the truth. The second thing that's, <laughs> I'm not even going to go into the second one. I'm, I'm giving you a lot right now. And even as my sister was like, Jesus, it's because it's real. And, it, and, and that's what's happening. There's a weight on us. God is, he's taking the, whatever's not of him and he's pruning it and he's removing it. And that's what he's doing right now by the living word. The presence of the living word. Amen. Go with me real quick to 1 John chapter 1. And if you wonder, like, you know, even as I'm, I'm, I'm being led by the Lord and, and you wonder, like, oh, I wonder what he was going to say. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Receive what God is saying because he's leading me right now. There's some things he wants me to say and some things he doesn't want me to say. So 1 John chapter 1, which by the way, we don't even know what that looks like anymore because people have their notes and they stick to their notes and they have their 25-minute sermon. And hey, I'm watching the clock back there. I got to be done in three minutes. No, nope. We finish when God finishes. We can't do that. We don't put a limit on God. Amen? Just like this morning, there was no traditional worship. Glory to God. Because God has something else he wants you to get. Can you see it now? We need to spend our time here. First John chapter 1, verse 1. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. You see how this coincides with John 1, 1. That in the beginning was what? The word. So here we see here, they're saying it again. We are proclaiming to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our hands. He is the what? Word of life. Who? Man, could you imagine what that was like to touch him, to handle him, knowing he was the thing, the one, the way from the very beginning? I mean, could you imagine that? Well, let me help you. You're doing it now. Don't just imagine it. Experience it. Experience it now. He is here now. The living word moving through you right now. Convicting the heart, even from young to old. There's, there's some of the young people in here, they're really getting messed with. They are. They're like, man, this is the truth. Where is this? This is what I, this, I, don't even, I didn't even know I wanted this, and I want it. Because it's the living word. There's something taking place on the inside that is pruning away the false word, the dead word, the lying word. The other word that's not living, it's called the worldly word. Because there's something else that gets written. There's something else that takes place that people read and give themselves to. It's called the world. They write it in song. They write it in entertainment and in movies. They write it on murals and walls. They write it in your textbooks and schools. And it's a lie. It's a lie. There is no truth outside of Christ. Now, oh man, I just said it. There's no truth outside of Christ. You know what people are going to say? 
Right now, I could see them just, they're, they're going to just message on my live or whatever they're going to do. They're going to be like, Colt. That is so wrong. But it's necessary. Because Christ is not a cult. He's the only way. And I don't know about you, but he's drawn me to himself. I can't escape him. I'm a slave to Christ now. When that man told me, I met him in the, in the restroom and, and he found his retainers and I was walking into the restrooms and he was walking out to wash my hands. And he said, hey, you've given me a reason to hope for humanity again. He, I go, brother, there's no hope for humanity but Christ. Now, you might have said, that's witnessing. No. It's the truth. You see the difference in that? God didn't call me to witness this man. This is why he didn't receive the truth when I said it. Instead, he goes, well, it says a lot about who you are then. You are a good person. And you know why he said that? Because he wants to think he's a good person. Man, I hope some people are getting free this morning. I hope you're getting the truth this morning. You're really seeing that, that you're seeing the truth right now. The living God was not in the man. So he couldn't understand the written word. Knowing the written word, knowing it, memorizing it, doesn't mean you know the living word. Anybody ever met a person who can quote scripture like the back of their hand, but they, they have no love? You ever met a person who quotes the, some of the love scriptures, but they have no conviction? They know how to quote scripture, but they don't know the living word. But the living word will bring the written word to life. Let me say it a different way. Knowing the living word means you know the written word, even if you've never read it. Oh, hallelujah, God, thank you for your truth. This is where people would get frustrated with Jesus because they'd be like, come on, man, you're just too over-spiritual. You're just trying too hard. This confuses me. What do you mean? I can know the living word and never read the written word and know it. That doesn't make any sense. But to those who are born again, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Because everything, watch this, you ready for this? We were reading, we were reading in the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 7 the other day, like a few weeks ago, about giving. And it talked in the scripture, it talked about when Abraham gave to Melchizedek. He, it literally said that the whole tribe of Levi, who wasn't even born yet, gave because the seed of Levi was in the bosom or belly of, Melchi of uh, Abraham. So what was happening is that there was this trans transfer of obedience that it was accredited to those that weren't even born yet. Do you see that? That's powerful. So there's, there's seed in you, inside of you, living word. Watch this. If that's true, if there's seed in you that God has placed in you, that Isaac Jr. is going to come and be raised up in the living word, if that's possible, how much more possible is it for God himself? Like If he's the written, living, breathing word, does he need letters? No, 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 no. Let me, bring some, let me bring some stuff back to remembrance right now. He said, I'll make the rocks cry out. Yeah. Yeah. What are they going to say? 
what's written, what's living. They're going to say what God says. So you want me to take it a step further? Watch this. He, when he said, I'll cause, if you don't worship me, I'll cause the rocks to cry out. You know what he was really saying? You know what the living word was really saying? And it was being written at that time so that we would then remember it and, and be given life. He was saying, Jews, I'm going to cause the rocks, the Gentiles, to cry out. Don't you know that's what took place? Because they did not see Jesus as the Messiah. And to this day in Jerusalem, they do not believe the Messiah has come. But over here in a country that's full of wickedness and full of sin and in other places just like it, there are Gentiles who used to have hearts as hard as a rock that did not know God. And he opened us up and we say, Abba. And it causes them to look at all Gentiles and say, what is that? That's crazy. And the scriptures are clear that it hardens their heart. That's right. But you know what's going to happen? He's going to come to the Gentiles that are not worshiping the Lord. And they, he, they were once hardened and now they were, were given a heart of flesh, meaning they were pliable. And he's going to say to them, I'm going to make the rocks cry out. And he's going to go back and free some of the Jews. Amen. He's going to rinse and repeat what he does. And the scriptures even teach us that. Amen. That is good. <laughs> this is the Lord. This has nothing to do with us. And we're involved in something that is so much bigger than us. And I want to read a scripture to you, and I'm almost done. Go to John chapter 5, verse 39. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your anointing. John chapter 5, verse 39. And this is proof. This is proof that for anybody... Anywhere, any pastors, any preachers, any other churches or anybody else, anywhere, it didn't even have to be in leadership positions, it's any, anywhere, that is trying to put a burden on people that you have to read your Bible to be spiritual, you're going to hear the words of Jesus right now and they echo through eternity because they're speaking to us too. And look at what he said. He was speaking to the Pharisees and these are people who were scholars. These are people who knew the scriptures front and back. They knew the writings of Isaiah and Ezekiel. They, they understood the writings of Jeremiah, they looked into them. They observed them closely daily. They spent their entire lives to know it. And Jesus says this to them in John 5, 39. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Amen. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Now, if you're in the flesh, you think that contradicts itself because you're going, well, I'm reading scripture and Jesus saying <laughs> that you're looking into it and it's not giving you the life that you should have because I give it to you. So how does this work? How, how is it that he can tell them you're searching all that scripture, but you don't even have eternal life in you. You got a lot of knowledge. You know what the prophets say, but here I am right in front of you and you care more about your knowledge than the one who gave it to you. Now, could you imagine standing before the creator and listen to what he's saying today? Th this is where I'm getting to because this is, this is going to hit everybody. This is from young to old. If you're listening, this is going to touch you because this is the truth. 
you would say to yourself, well, that's not really me because I'm still kind of finding my way. You ready for this? Because this is the truth. Remove that word scripture. And you can insert anything there. How about the world? And young people, you're searching the world, thinking it gives you life. And it doesn't. As a matter of fact, and this is going to sound crazy, but it's true. It all points to me. The trees lift their branches to me. The world, when they sin and rebel, it's because I said that would be ha what's happening. It all comes back. You know who you have to stand before? You know who, who the judge is? You know who, who Father God is? Who's the one that has to give the whooping at the end of it all? Right? So it all comes back to me. So you're searching the world thinking that it's giving you life. This life is not living, it's dying. This life is passing, it's fading, it's not living. It feels like it's living because you got blood in your veins. It feels like it's living because you can hear what I'm saying or, or you're aging. So it, it, it has this appearance of living, but you're actually dying. The moment you come out of the womb, you're already fading away. This is why you need to know that the purpose in life is in Christ alone. This is why we preach. This is why I come up here and I preach. This is why God anoints me and mandates me to do this. Because the world is not going to tell you this. They're going to say, no, just live it up tonight. Worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, and tomorrow will never come. So I just seen somebody go, that doesn't make sense to me. Today was tomorrow, but you're still thinking about tomorrow. So tomorrow will never come. Because when tomorrow comes, it'll be today and you'll be thinking about tomorrow. And that's what the world does to you. God comes and says, let me tell you about the end. <laughs> let me tell you about the end so you stop trying to live for what's now. Because there's something coming. And I want you to be awake for it. I want you to be alive for it. I want you to be drawn in for it because it's coming. And it's coming for everyone. Amen? My prayer is that after today's word, that your heart would desire more of God. That you would realize that, you, that the living word, which is Christ himself, brings to life everything. And that this written word means absolutely nothing without the living word. Without Christ indwelling you. Without Christ indwelling you. Without him filling your life. Without him being the center focus of everything in your life. This will never mean anything. It'll just be church. It'll just be people gathering, sitting in seats. It'll just be something you do. You'll look at it like it's just another event that the world offers you, and you'll miss it. But it has to be Christ in you that gets you to understand why we come back every week. It's Christ in you that puts the desire to come to men's fellowship and women's fellowship or to meet and have dinner at each other's houses on Wednesdays. It's Christ in all of us that draws us to prayer on Friday. Not that we would pray for ourselves and our needs, but we're literally pressing in saying, God, what do you have for this city? What do you have for this community and the people around here? What do you have for this world? What do you want us to do? We're not just giving out food to people who need it. God has not called us to do it, so we're not going to do it. 
He's called us to pray. He's called us to do life with each other. Because if we don't have fellowship across these chairs, what are we bringing people here for? I'm sorry, I, I don't want to be just another church in Fresno, and I don't want to stand out to try to be different. I just want Christ. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that why you live and breathe? It's for the Lord? The living word? <laughs> Please don't come to hear me preach just the written word. That would be horrible. Because I'm not that likable, to be honest with you. You either like really like me or you really hate me. That's, that's that personality I have. It's just, it's a, it's a curse. <laughs> it's a curse. Either I'm really on your nerves <laughs> Or we're the same. We're just like really cool. But um, I want to hear from you. What time is it right now? Okay. I want to take just a few minutes and I want to hear what the Lord is speaking to you through this message. And if you're nervous and your heart's pounding and your palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are ready, mom's spaghetti. <laughs> if you're nervous, it's okay. 